Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Where do you sit in the midst of our current crisis that we're facing on a global level? Are you given over to fear? Or are you trusting in the Lord and the promises that He'll preserve His own? In today's Prophecy Update, Pastor J.D. reflects on how those in power seek to take advantage of those given over to fear. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on May 17, 2020. On Wednesday... Washington State Governor Jay Inslee, in a briefing, stated, and I quote, We are simultaneously moving to this second initiative of testing, contact tracing, and isolation of people who in fact are infected. We think of this as a smart weapon, and its success will depend on both the state and public health officials, and more importantly, individuals and families. We need people to isolate themselves, including their household, even before the test results come back. They will not know the name of the person, contact tracer, that provided their name. I want to talk just a little bit more about the families that are involved in this. That means that households, the family, that will need to isolate with them. And if a person cannot do that, there will be other isolation facilities for them away from their household. Still quoting, for people who finally won't comply, They're going to have to comply eventually. No one is looking to make this a federal crime. The reason we can do the contact tracing is twofold. Number one, we've stood up an army, so to speak. We now have 1,391 people who on just a couple days notice can do what's necessary to do this contact tracing. As far as refusal, it just shouldn't come to that. It really hasn't, but that has been legally enforceable. We would make sure that people know the seriousness of that issue. It's one of the reasons I'm grateful we have the Guard, speaking of the National Guard, who are very disciplined and, listen to this, follow orders. The reason I highlight that is because during the Holocaust, 
when asked many who participated in the unthinkable, demonic, horrific acts, said almost verbatim without exception, I was just following orders. It should be noted that the narrative to reopen and return to a new normal will be predicated upon this contact tracing. On May 8th, Melinda Gates was interviewed on the Today Show and said, quote, to reopen, we need to do far more testing and tracing people, and we need to be very careful and go very slowly as we reopen. As many of you know, I came to Christ at age 19 out of a very demonic influence of satanic music. And I was, I hate to say this, I was literally demon-possessed in and through the music that I was listening to by these groups that had sold their soul to the devil for rock and roll and fame and sex and drugs and everything else, all the fortune they could possibly imagine. And that's how I came to Christ when I realized that these groups were really agents of Satan himself, possessed demonically, and replete throughout all of their album covers and all of their music, you will find this Antichrist upside down cross. You know, I actually, it was, let me just mention one thing. There's a, there's a group by the name of Nine Inch Nails, very satanic group. Uh, in fact, they were the inspiration uh, behind a school shooting. This is a few years ago, actually many years ago now. And if I'm not mistaken, I gotta, if my memory serves me correctly, and I don't want to go too far off into this, but maybe this is for somebody that's watching. So on one of their album covers, uh, Nine Inch Nails, that's the name of the, the group, they have a monkey being crucified. Now here's the thing that's really interesting. Uh, the nails that they pounded into the wrists and feet of our Savior were not nails like we would know nails. They were spikes, and it's believed, according to church historians, that they were about nine inches in length. Now how would a, a modern day band or group know that? You know, the devil was there, obviously. <laughs> These are demon-possessed, demonically and satanically influenced people. That's what the upside-down cross means. This last week an online member sent me a video of a segment from the 2010 National Film Board of Canada documentary, Outbreak. In it, Dr. Teresa Tam 
The Director General for the Canadian Centre for Emergency Preparedness and Response said, and I quote, the public has to know that this is one of the worst case scenarios in terms of an infectious disease outbreak and that their cooperation of sorts, if there are people who are non-compliant, there are definitely laws and public health powers that can quarantine people in a mandatory setting. It's potential that you could track people and have police setups to ensure quarantine is undertaken. This is 10 years ago. It is better, still quoting the documentary, to be preemptive and precautionary and take the heat of people thinking that you might be overreactionary, get ahead of the curve, and then think about whether you've overreacted later. But it's such a serious situation that I think decisive earlier reaction is the key. The documentary then has a voiceover saying, and I quote, police checkpoints are set up on all the bridges and everyone leaving the city is required to show proof of vaccination. Those who refuse to cooperate are taken away to temporary detention centers, 10 years ago in Canada. I suppose this begs the question of how many of these contact tracers are they going to employ to test, reach, and contact everyone, and potentially take them to these detention centers? For the answer, we need look no further than to a recent MSNBC, which I would remind you, MSNBC is Microsoft National Broadcasting Corporation, MSNBC. They had a segment in which they provide a three-step plan by none other than the Rockefeller Foundation. I'm sorry, I'm chuckling. For those of you who know, they're all, forgive me for saying it this way, they're all in bed together. Step one, 30 million tests per week at a cost of 100 billion with a B dollars. Step two, up to 300,000 for contact tracing. And step three, digital data sharing platform. Ah, enter AI technology, which already exists. And this MIT technology review report about how AI, artificial intelligence machines, are learning to check social distancing properly. Listen to this. Earlier this month, Reuters reported that Amazon is also using similar software to monitor the distances between their warehouse staff. 
The tool is meant to keep employees and communities safe, and should be used with transparency and only with informed consent. I'm sorry. If I don't laugh, I'll cry, so I'll just laugh. Still quoting. But the same technology can also be abused or used to normalize more harmful surveillance measures. Some are suggesting that social distancing six feet apart has nothing to do with getting infected and everything to do with getting tracked. And here's why. The surveillance technology, the AI surveillance technology, is such that when people are clustered together, it's very difficult to ID the individual. It it can't distinguish and delineate between one or ten people. So if you're six feet apart, then it makes the surveillance and tracing and tracking uh, then more plausible. It's important to keep in mind that this technology is already in place, and they will hit the ground running, as it were, at the time they start the vaccinations. This explains what I'll call the trace and race towards a vaccine, which in turn also explains why Melinda Gates in a recent coronavirus global response international pledging event stated the following, quote, right now the world is counting on its scientists. Uh, I'm not quoting. Actually, we're counting on the God of science. Gates, Melinda Gates, quote, in hopes of developing a drug or a vaccine. Why? Because, quoting, that's what it's going to take to beat this pandemic, breakthrough science. But we must remember that's not all it will take. For life to get back to normal, we also need to call on our common humanity. So what will it take to end this pandemic? Answer, quoting, here it is, (laughs) wait for it, Melinda Gates, quote, the pandemic won't end until people everywhere can be immunized against it. This is interesting. Recently, Bill Gates, while on the late show with Stephen Colbert, or Colbert, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, of these 
vaccinations said, and I quote, and then the final solution is the vaccine. So we've got to go to full speed ahead. After he said this, Stephen Colbert then said, quote, just to head off the conspiracy theorists, maybe we shouldn't call the vaccine the final solution, maybe just the best solution. For those of you, you particularly maybe you younger people, because they don't teach you this in school anymore. They don't teach the Holocaust in school anymore. Uh, this uh, phrase, the final solution, it came from one Adolf Hitler, and it was his final solution. You know what his final solution was? The elimination, the extermination, the termination of the Jews. That was the final solution. And I mean, you can laugh, and Gates did laugh when Colbert responded, hey, you know, just uh, head off the conspiracy theorists. You better, you better not say it's the final solution, even though it might be. Maybe instead you should say it's the best solution. Listen to what Gates said. He laughed, of course. He said, good point. <laughs> as if to say, he didn't say this, but as if to say, oops, I slipped. Good point. Then he restates it saying, the return to normal solution. <laughs> now I suppose the question needs to be asked and answered. Why is this vaccine the final solution? And perhaps more importantly, what's in the vaccine that makes it the final solution? Here's a quote from Bill Gates from a video when he was in Brussels, Belgium on January 22nd, 2015, speaking at a conference. By the way, I should probably parenthetically say that all of the quotes I transcribed verbatim from the actual video, and that's the source. So I transcribed this, and Gates said this quote, is there something to worry about with medicines? Might some of them have side effects? Do we need safety testing? I mean, we're taking things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms, and we're injecting them into little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. And that's how he said it. And that's what he did when he said it. We're just injecting it right into their vein. What are you injecting right into their vein? Oh, genetically modified organisms. Oh, by the way, let me hasten to say that in vaccines, and you can document this, you will find the tissue of aborted babies. And we're just injecting them into the little kid's arms, right into the vein. 
One more thing that I think I would be grossly remiss were I not to point out, and it has to do with Operation Warp Speed, which according to a senior administration official, has the goal of making 100 million doses of the vaccine available by November, 200 million doses by December, and 300 million doses by January. Pastor, you're scaring me. Good. I'd rather scare you into heaven than flatter you into hell. And you'll forgive me for the bluntness with which I say this, but if I need to scare the hell out of you in order to do that, so be it. I don't have permission from the Lord to get up here behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do, and tell you everything's going to be okay, because it's not. I don't have a feel-good message. I don't have a message of peace, peace, when there's no peace. I don't have a message of, hey, we're all in this together. I don't have a message of, hey, we're going to get through this. We, we've been through worse before. We're strong. We're going to come back stronger. No, that's not what I see. I don't, I don't see that in here. I'm sorry. I don't see that in here. This brings me to what I mentioned at the beginning about the Christian having nothing to fear concerning what's coming. I have to confess that <laughs> I, this took basically the entirety of this last week to put this all together. And as I'm doing it, and I'm watching, I mean, hours and hours of video and transcribing the, the videos and putting the notes together and I mean, there was, there was a couple of points. I'm just being very open with you and sharing with you that, I mean, I just, I started thinking, oh my goodness. So in my office I have, you know, security cameras. I'm, that's prudent, not paranoid, prudent. <laughs> Perhaps you've heard that expression, trust God, but lock your car. Well, I've added to it, trust God, lock your car, and get security cameras. So I have a, a screen in my office uh, with security cameras. And this uh, white SUV, thank God it wasn't black, pulled up to my uh, uh, house. And this guy gets out. I'm thinking, they're here. They're, they're here. <laughs> they're, what, what, you know, and it was just that, that initial, you know, feeling of, of panic. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? Turns out it was a part delivery for our AC repair. Oh, thank you, Lord. I mean, they're going to knock on my door. The Bible, though written long ago, is inspired by our Creator. God chose to speak His truth through ordinary men, but these men had their eyes fixed on their Heavenly Father. Their words hold a great deal of meaning for us in our world today, and maybe more so in the times we're in. Much of the activity of this world is mirrored in the pages of the Bible, 
and is pointing to a new era that we need to be aware of. In Pastor J.D.'s weekly Mideast Prophecy Updates, he's been searching the scriptures and the news headlines and sharing with us what he's found. You can access these updates by heading to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on the YouTube link. Jesus will be returning to the earth soon to judge the evil that has been destroying it. And that return, friends, is drawing closer with each new day. Pastor J.D. tells us through these updates each week where we are in relation to Bible prophecy and how close our Savior's return just might be. No one knows the day or the hour this incredible event will take place, but we know from the Bible that we've been told what to expect in the moments leading up to this event. If we adopt a sense of anticipation in our daily walk with Jesus, we'll also gain with it an urgency to share the gospel message with the world around us. We're called to unashamedly boast about our Savior and plant the seed of hope which Jesus promises to water. Share Jesus with someone today and join us for another edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update right here on In Spirit and Truth.